They won my putting me in here, but they didn't beat me. They were the winners. They got to shut the door. But I'm standing here and it hasn't beaten me. Hello and welcome to the Lancet Psychiatry podcast. I'm Niall Boyce, the editor of the Lancet Psychiatry, and that was a few seconds of Paragirls, which is an art installation at the Big Anxiety Festival in Sydney, Australia. Now, I'm very pleased to say I'm joined by the curator of the festival, Professor Jill Bennett. Hi, Niall. First of all, could you tell me a bit about yourself, uh, your background in mental health and the arts, and uh, the purpose of the Big Anxiety Festival? Well, I work in the arts department of the University of New South Wales, but for a long time I've worked on practical and health uses of arts, particularly in areas like trauma. We've been developing the Big Anxiety Festival for a number of years, and that really builds on emerging evidence that the arts can have a really significant practical impact in terms of not only recovery, but also building the kind of engagements that we need to to reach people and extend dialogue around mental health. Why the Big Anxiety? Why that title? Because the focus isn't just on anxiety, it seems much, much broader than that. So where did you get the name from? Yeah, good question. Uh, It's deliberately a soft entry point. So in the run-up to the festival, we ran a number of workshops and we used this title on one occasion. And we found that people responded very well. We would get a huge turnout of people who when we did live polling and and the kind of research that we were doing in the room, we'd find that people identified with various forms of anxiety and also other mental health issues, experiences. But in particular, anxiety seemed to be the one that people were very comfortable discussing and it you know it is also not so medicalized and and this has always been a collaboration with the Black Dog Institute and from the more clinical perspective our collaborators were saying well it's a you know it's an interesting sort of gateway disorder that really helps us with identifying a range of mental health conditions very early and and that's one of our big intents. Our other partner has been the Mental Health Commission of New South Wales and one of the problem areas that we identified with them very early on was this problem that 65% of Australians with a mental health issue aren't seeking help. And so we knew that there was a lot of work to do in terms of developing richer communications and methods of engagement, and that's where we saw our work. So in a sense, we wanted to lower the barriers and to take the conversation into a cultural space. And I often say that benchmark is you don't want to take people away from what they actually want to be doing on a Saturday afternoon. You know, if you can have the conversation in that space, then that's already half the battle. One of the problems which I've had with the representation of mental health and mental health issues in the arts is that it's used as the cue to bring in something exotic and something other, and under the cover of starting conversations and bringing in different voices, what it's actually doing is is, is quite excluding. Yes, I sort of tell the story the other way around and say, well, 
the arts has always been an area that's been really critical to examining mental distress and um, you know various mood states and conditions. So we know that this can happen in the arts, particularly in areas like trauma, where we're dealing with non-verbalizable experience primarily. So the arts is a resource that we can harness. What we haven't done, you know, these realms of health and arts have been traditionally siloed. So we haven't tended to harness the arts in practical ways. And when we do that, people get very nervous because we're instrumentalizing something that's a, a sort of freeform exploration. But we're really trying to have the best of both worlds in trying to tap into really good quality artwork that has that kind of depth, but also connect with a much wider community. So we have made a genuine attempt also to not be like an arts festival that goes to the sort of elite and best institutions and stays there and maybe builds some programs to bring people in. We've actually tried to go out into some public spaces and, and as I said, to take the conversation outside. One of the exhibits here on the Paddington campus of the University of New South Wales is the thing which we heard a few seconds from at the beginning of this podcast, which is Paragirls. And you were mentioning trauma and uh, the experience of trauma and recovery from trauma. And that really is uh, an experience, an artistic experience, about a very specific incidence of, of institutional trauma. Yes, but uh, I think it's a very powerful example of the role that creative engagement and creative thinking can play in recovery. So in this case, the Paragirls are former residents of the Parramatta Girls' Home, um, they were in the girls' home around 40 to 50 years ago in the 70s, uh, right up until the early 80s. Uh, and they were committed to the girls' home in the mid-teens, 14 and, and 15. And what's significant is that it wasn't a reform school, it was a, a school for neglected girls or, or girls who were deemed to be exposed to moral danger. But we now know, of course, that the the danger was inside because the women were abused and raped repeatedly. And this, this has now come to light through a royal commission into institutional abuse, a very recent, in fact, still ongoing commission. So these women have waited a long time to actually give their testimony and for this formal process to run its course. So they are still, uh, as we know, you know, you don't recover from, from that kind of massive trauma and there are many triggering events. The trauma is compounded by much of the process that surrounds the Royal Commission and the reporting of it and the way that their stories are taken from them. So there remain a lot of work to do in ensuring that the women feel a connection to their story they're able to tell it and they're uh, and they're actually able to deal with the process of revisiting the girls home so we our team has has worked with them on a number of fronts for the big anxiety they developed work at the Parramatta girls home with an audio tour that people can still download but also we've made a 3D immersive experience that's that's viewed in a, an immersive cinema 
and or in, in virtual reality. But the, uh, the significance of that is that it's a 3D shoot of the site, but the women lead, the, the women are the narrators of their own story. And, and so the important thing there has been the collaboration. It's a, it's a fantastically powerful work and, and one that's quite innovative as a, a standalone artwork, but the most innovative and important thing is is the way it is in fact the process that led to its uh, production and I think that's characteristic of the the big projects that we try to develop under this banner that they have uh, you know it's it's all about the backstory that may take five years to develop and there may be a high-end production that does very particular work in the public domain in terms of bringing the story to light but but actually it's it, it's about understanding what we can do on the ground to work with the process of recovering from really significant trauma. It struck me that what the piece was doing was providing these women with a voice and with control, which were the two things which they they certainly didn't have all, all those years ago in in that that home. And that seems to me to be a, a broader theme, really, of the uh, the whole Big Anxiety Festival, which is it's about uh, giving people a platform to talk about their experiences and giving them some degree of control over the way in which they're perceived. Absolutely, I, I think that's exactly it, and I think that's the license we have in the arts that perhaps other mental health organisations don't necessarily have. So the the language of mental health campaigns and mental health advice is very focused and quite risk-averse for very good reasons, but it's not expansive in the way that the arts can be. The arts can, by definition, take more risks. And so we open up spaces for people often with lived experience. And I think it's important to say that, you know, many of the artists who are working in this space understand it very well and understand it from their own lived experience. But you'll often find there's not adherence to medical models, definitions and and kind of DSM checklists and diagnoses. You know, these are all challenged from an experiential perspective, as as they should be, and so so I think the arts can be part of the process of thinking about diagnosis and 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 really advancing the discussion around many conditions, anxiety, depression, and all sorts of other experiences. Now, a couple of days ago, we had a discussion panel at the Art Gallery of New South Wales, which you very kindly invited me to chair. And what I found interesting was that some of the artists there talked about how they could do maybe with a bit more support during the process of of creating art, that it can be quite lonely and and quite stressful for them. Yeah, uh, I think that's definitely the case, that there's a pressure to invent and and to expose something of the self in a way that um, perhaps isn't there in a lot of other professions. And we, and we certainly see that with, with art students, that they are quite invested in their work in, in the way that you might not be in an essay that was on a given topic. So 
I think that form of exposure comes with, with a number of risks and, and we do have to attend to those. And it, it was interesting, I think, that we had some, uh, you know, some of our leading artists actually talking about this and, and, and saying that we, we don't look after our creative practitioners to the extent that we should. And this is just one of the many discussions which your festival has stimulated over the past couple of weeks. What has the reaction been of, of the general public? To this festival? Well, we've been very pleased with the response, in particular because for an arts festival, we feel we've tapped into a, an extensive uh, new audience, people who perhaps don't attend galleries so much. So that audience seems to come from both the mental health profession and also across members of the public with, with lived experience. And, and that's very pleasing because we have tried to promote what we're offering as providing you know, insight and reflection into lived experience and, and sometimes inviting people to participate in that in very simple ways. So we had an awkward conversations program and, and the design of that was really intended to make conversation available in the simplest way. So the idea of the awkward conversation was that you didn't have to be good at it, you didn't have to rehearse what you wanted to say, you could simply be there and be awkward and inept and and discuss subjects that are often quite difficult, like one, one was on suicide. We found that actually the people who accessed these were almost always not seeking uh, professional help, but were talking about some very significant problems that, that did need attention and, and further attention in, in many cases. And obviously, we then were able to make connections for people. But I, I think just sort of normalizing the conversation and often designing interesting spaces that, that were inviting to people is, is is really an important part of it. But I think there's so much more to designing engagement that you know, we've only really touched the surface of this and we really need the creative sector in this process. I think the thing about the arts is that people drop their guard. Yes, definitely. We, we've, we've found that, uh, I mean, almost all of the forums we've, we've organised have promoted uh, amazing discussions where people do feel confident. I think you model forms of discussion and disclosure, if you like, and create a safe space. Also, without people needing to be sort of medicalised or transformed into a patient or a help seeker. So I, I, I think that redefining of the space in which we talk about mental health is really important. And what have psychiatrists made of all this? We've had a lot of young psychiatrists who are, are really part of the program and obviously see themselves as, as working on a similar front. So I think absolutely these things need to be in tandem. And by the same token, we've had many, many people talking about the failures of a system that is overburdened and underfunded and so the desire to make connection particularly in a way that extends practices that engage with people's real lives I think that's something everybody's interested in. The festival runs for another 10 days but that's not the end I believe you're going to take some feedback. Yes we we are running an, uh, an evaluation that attempts to look at the health benefits the emotional and psychological benefits of much of the work and we want to do that longitudinally so we'll come back to people in six months to to see how those effects endure but that's the 
beginning. We want to continue with the festival. And the other thing about a mental health festival is it, it's not like a circus that comes to town and then goes. We are building deep and enduring relationships with certain communities. I mean, the Paragirls is a case in point. These have to be uh, ongoing projects that can only grow. So I think the learnings from the festival will be really important and what we learn in, in certain projects will be transferred to other communities. So I think it creates a real base for not just festival events but for research going forwards. And are you planning to run this festival again or in a different city maybe, a different continent? All of that, yes. We, we're hoping to run it every two years and we are talking to other countries. Watch this space. So in addition to the usual conference calendar, maybe psychiatrists in future should also look at the arts festival calendar? I think so. Excellent. Thank you very much, Jill. One final question. Is there a website which people can go to to find out more about this festival? Absolutely. It's thebiganxiety.org. Thank you very much. And thanks to you for downloading and listening to this podcast. I hope you'll join us again next time. Goodbye.